0: How appropriate is Ice Ice Baby to lead into Danny Cannell, right? (laughs) Cannell, what's up?
1: Don, if you only knew how many times in eighth grade I stood in front of the mirror and tried to do the little dance that Vanilla Ice did. But he was a hurricane, so I kind of – but it was before I was even thinking about Florida State, so I didn't mind it that much. And, by the way, about five years ago I was on a flight from New York to South Florida, and I sat next to Vanilla Ice himself. I got a great picture with him. Really a cool dude. It was pretty funny talking to him. But yeah, perfectly appropriate. So I appreciate that.
0: That is amazing. I will say this. My, you know, when certain people follow you on Twitter, you get excited. Vanilla Ice follows me on Twitter. It's by far the coolest person who follows
1: me on Twitter. Dang right. I'm so jealous. I tagged (laughs) him in our photo and he didn't even follow me. What the heck?
0: That <laughs> uh, must be uh, yeah, yeah, the no blonde juice, hair, Danny. probably helps. Yeah. Um, all right. Danny Cannell coming on uh, courtesy of betonline.net. And we are going to talk some of these championship games and all of that. But first, Cannell, I want to talk about this crazy coaching carousel that is going on right now because. First of all, more breaking news, Virginia's head coach Bronco Mendenhall says he's stepping aside after the bowl game. That just coming out. So yet another opening. But I want your opinion on what surprised you more, Lincoln Riley or uh, the Brian Kelly move to LSU?
1: I'll say Lincoln Riley. I felt like Lincoln Riley, who was the, you know, he was the chosen one by Bob Stoops to be his heir apparent and had so many playoff visits. You know, you're at Oklahoma. You kind of own that landscape. You know, everything looked up. You got a quarterback and Caleb Williams. Like, Brian Kelly, I think, has maxed out what he could do at Notre Dame. And I, that one not sense for me. He's been to the playoffs, and he hasn't even been close. And I know Lincoln Riley hasn't won a playoff game either, but I feel like Oklahoma's a different spot. You can get the recruits you want. They're going to give you all the resources. Notre Dame, they have, you have your hands tied your, uh, behind your back with the academic restrictions and character issues that they don't not, they do not let you into South Bend with that. And so like, for me, I thought Brian Kelly, when I first heard Brian Kelly, potentially USC, I was like, yeah, it probably makes sense. Like get an opportunity. LSU was just a mind blown, like, holy cow, Brian Kelly to LSU. Really? Like this is, this is what's going to happen. Um, all of it has just been absolutely wild, a wild, I mean, the season has been awesome, but I don't know what you guys feel. I think this is the most entertaining both on and off the field college football season we've seen in 20 years. Like, I cannot think of a season where we've had as many upsets as we've had, as many, like, new players. We got a Cinderella story in Cincinnati. And then during the season, we're seeing these coaching bombshell moves. It's been awesome. But back to your original question, I was more surprised Lincoln Riley bolted for USC because I felt like he was going to stick it out and be one of those lifers at Oklahoma and I know Oklahoma fans felt the same way, which is why they're not real thrilled in putting up traitor sign around Norman, letting their <laughs> feelings be known about Lincoln Riley taking off the USC.
0: Well, yeah, you know what part of that is, though, Cannell. It, he didn't want to go coach in the best conference in college football. He didn't want to have to compete in the SEC where it's just brutal. You beat up on each other week in and week out. That's what it is.
1: I thought I do think there is something to that. It is, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say it is the most pressure-packed with the highest expectations on you. And I think he was smart enough to realize, because he's had 10, 11 win seasons every year at Oklahoma. And once your fan base gets used to that, they start thinking this is normal, which is, it is not normal. And I think he realized once you go to the SEC, there's only been one coach that has had that every single year, and it's Nick Saban. You know, and it, and every other coach has eight-win seasons. And guess what happens if you have an eight-win season and you're at Oklahoma and they're used to seeing 10 and 11-win seasons? Guess who's going to be out of a job? Lincoln Riley. Like, I think he realized, you know what, I I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know. Like, I like my job, but I don't know how much they're going to, you know, we have to be realistic about expectations. And I also think it bothered him that they didn't ask him about the SEC move. Like, he might have preferred staying in the Big 12 and staying at Oklahoma just where they are, and he probably was a little bit blindsided by that. And so, yeah, I think he saw USC as an opportunity to dominate a conference, to be the brand in the Pac-12, which he wasn't even at Oklahoma, which is kind of nuts. Oklahoma's won the Big 12 seven years in a row until this year, and they're not even the biggest brand. Texas is the biggest brand. That would bother me. So I think he wants to feel like what does it feel like to be the big kid on the block, like to own the landscape? And he can do that at USC. And I think he could have success fairly quickly in that conference because it is a little bit of a mess, too. So I think Lincoln Riley read the tea leaves and said, you know what? I think it's going to be better for my long term, my longevity, my legacy to play for more national championship. I think it was more of a business decision than anything.
0: All right, Danny Cannell with us. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of these numbers for some of our championship games. I want to start with Oregon and Utah and your take on this one, um, just because of what happened the last time these two teams met.
1: Yeah, it's nuts, right? Oregon Mm -hmm. was looking like a team that was playoff bound, and then they had a road trip to Salt Lake City to take on Utah, and Utah physically whooped them. Like I'm talking, was not even close from start to finish, an all-around beatdown, thirty-eight to seven, dominated every phase of the game. And yet, that's a that's a spot where Oregon has really struggled. Now, like when there's pressure on the line, playoffs on the line, and like they weren't supposed. To, and I know they had the Ohio State win, but they weren't supposed to win against Ohio State. They were a two-touchdown underdog, so they were like, "Hey, no one thinks we're going to win. We we'll got their play loose, and they did." I I like them in this game, which sounds crazy, but wouldn't it be just like the Pac-12 to have Oregon, who just got blown out, come back, win the Pac-12 as a two-loss champ and be left out yet again? Like this – Oregon has owned the, the, the Big 12 championship game as of late. The, I think they win the game outright. So you can take the two-and-a-half points. I think they get revenge on Utah. I also think there's some of the play at Rice-Eccles in Salt Lake City. Altitude impacts you. I think that affected them. I think seeing the way they got beat up, there's got to be pride in those Duck players. So I like the Ducks in the rematch in this one, which sounds crazy considering how they got blown out, but it's tough to beat a, tw- a team like that twice in a row.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I know in rumblings of, of Mario Cristobal, in, interested possibly in your alma mater one day. We'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I know, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's talk SEC because you mentioned, you know, the guy that consistently – um, always wins in the SEC, and Alabama now going in as the underdog in this game. And this line is six and a half. That's a monster line for an SEC championship game for Alabama to to not be a favorite.
1: It's the first time Alabama's been an underdog since 2015. It's the first time they've been a six and a half point underdog since 2008. They've been a favorite 92 straight games. Like it's remarkable, the success that Alabama has had. All of it tells me, like, why, why wouldn't you take those points? Like why wouldn't you take the six and a half? Not to mention everybody and their brothers on Georgia. 80% of the money, 84% of the bets are on the Georgia Bulldogs, which tells me the smart money, the sharp money is on Alabama. And if I can get Nick Saban as a six and a half point underdog with a quarterback and Bryce Young, who's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy, I'll take that all day long. I do think Georgia finds a way to win. It just feels like it's their year. Their defense is so good. I do think this will be a low-scoring game. I like the under in this one as well. But if I can get Nick Saban, who, by the way, is 24-1 and against his former assistants. He did lose to Jimbo Fisher this year, but he's owned Kirby Smart so far. If I can get six and a half points with a Crimson Tide, I'll take him all day long. Hey, hey, let
0: me ask you this real quick, Daniel, before we get you out the door. You can answer this real simple. Is this where we're headed in college football as far as the SEC being what it is, guys joining them, and then the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-10 doing, Pac-12 doing exactly what they're doing? Like just being top-heavy. Maybe one or two teams tries to keep them afloat, but then you got the SEC just beating up on each other. Yes, I think so. You
1: know, I, I wonder what the next, shift is in college football because of Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. And it's, we're talking super conference already. Mm-hmm. They add those two, it's going to make it even bigger. The Alliance, you know, of these other conferences trying to keep up the big 10 trying to just hold steady. I think we're on the precipice of something big. And I, I don't know if it's even like a super league with 32 teams, maybe the SEC gobbles up a lot of the ACC, but something needs to change. The other thing I've changed my mind on in general I've always been a proponent for amateurism. I'm a believer that there's value in education, but when we're seeing coaches paid $17 million not to coach, we're seeing money wasted, man, give some of that to kids, give them a piece of the pie. When we're seeing Tom Herman, who's an offensive analyst for the Chicago bears getting six and a half million dollars this year and seven and a half million dollars next year to just basically not even coach to be an analyst. There's a problem with the amount of money that's being wasted. And you're like, let's give some of the players. You want to waste it. At least let the players who are putting their bodies on the line. And that is a massive shift in philosophy for me. Because I always always was a believer that, you know what, the coaches, they do bring more to the table. They are employees. They get hired and fired. Mm -hmm. But the college football has become more like the NFL in every aspect. We have free agency, essentially. We do have endorsement deals. The one aspect we're not like the NFL is paying the players. I do think it's time for that to happen. Ooh,
0: there you go. We'll continue that conversation. Yeah, sure. On the other side, Danny Cannell, courtesy of Bet Online, betonline.net. Um, check out Bet Online for updated college football playoff Heisman and conference championship week lines. Thank you so much, Danny. We always appreciate when you hop on here in Nashville and appreciate you even though I like to give you a hard time.
1: <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the game. <laughs> Thanks, All right.
0: Ice Ice Baby. Danny Cannell is out.